You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery Mystery of Everything, Everything. available everywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, 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 friend. I'm TK from For the Love of History, and Katie and Nathan wanted me to let you know that they use foul language. Gasp! And if you don't like that, this may not be the show for you. However, if you do like spicy history, occasional throwing shade at historical figures, and badass women, then tune in to For the Love of History every first and third Friday of the month, available wherever you get your podcasts. When you're done with this amazing episode, pop on over, friend. I'll be waiting. Enjoy the show. Bye. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Nathan. Katie. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to record this episode. Me too. I've been looking forward to this one for a while because she's like lesser known. And so I'm really excited because I'm pretty sure we're introducing her to a lot of our listeners. I hope everyone finds her as fascinating as I did because I had never heard of her before we started researching her. Had you? No, I hadn't. And I remember just going down the list of our, our like novel of list oh of women <laughs> that yes. so long. And I was like, you know, I have never heard of this woman. I want to look into her. And then I immediately started reading. And I was like, yes, she's the one that I want to do. We're going to do her next. So yeah. I'm super stoked about it. And who is she, Nathan? Saida Alhura. Who was Saida? So she was the queen of Tetuan and uh, quote unquote pirate queen arg, of the Mediterranean. <laughs> um, Saida was the last woman to serve as queen in Islamic history. And she was one of a few strong Muslim women who rose to power. But she did it during a really scary time for uh, people of faith for Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Reconquista. Uh, yes. I think we covered it in our Isabella of Castile episode. It's oh. a very genocide time for, <laughs> for Spain. <laughs> Truth. So before we get started, though, Nathan, tell us about this cocktail. So this cocktail, if you aren't on Patreon and got the booze clues, this one is called the Moroccan Martini. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, you take... <clears throat> so what I did is I took a, a cup of water, a cup of sugar, and you boil those together so that you get a simple syrup. And then Mm -hmm. I added about a tablespoon of cardamom to that and then stirred it around. And then uh, I do half an ounce of that with a half an ounce of lemon juice and a half an ounce of pomegranate juice or puree if you have it. And then added two whopping ounces of pomegranate vodka. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So I, I love it. Yeah. By the way, this one is smooth. Beware. It get you tipsy real quick and it's it's vodka's not supposed to taste that good but it does Uh, i skipped the simple syrup altogether because the pomegranate juice is pretty sweet as it is Mm -hmm. and so if you're watching your sugar and you skip it it's still it's still really smooth one thing that i thought was really cool they don't sponsor us i just wanted everyone to know the vodka i got which is called frankly organic because they were the only pomegranate vodka i could find and on their bottle they say that they donate one percent of their proceeds to animal welfare oh yay that's the same bottle i got too yay nice we we've just got two patreon shout outs today so Shout out to Elizabeth. Thank you for your support. And then we have another random shout out um, (laughs) over on, this is so funny, over on Instagram, I posted a picture of Saida's hometown and was like, does anybody know where this is? And I got about 200 guesses and only one of them was right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. No, I think after a while, some more people got it right. But in the first like couple of hours, our Instagram follower, Sid, is the only one that got it. And so I was like, congratulations, you're the only person that's gotten it so far. And he was like, can I have a shout out? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure. So shout out to Sid. I don't blame our followers. This one was tough. Like, you know, only I think only one person on Facebook got it as well. Like this queen was tough to get because you don't really hear a lot about her. So I am super. Super excited to get this ball rolling on. So let's dive in. First, Nathan, why don't you give us a refresher on what the Reconquista is? We have established it was genocide-y, but besides yes. that, what was it? Yes. <laughs> so it was a series of battles between the Christians and Muslims to control the Iberian Peninsula. So that's what we know now as Spain, Portugal. So mm. this was a big theme in our second Isabella of Castile episode. Isabella basically saw it as like her personal mission from God to take Granada and make Spain all Christian again. Saka. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. We love we love our girl Isabella, but she um she she's not perfect. <laughs> no. Like we said, they got a little genocide and it was particularly um, aimed at Muslims and Jewish people. And they basically forced them out of Spain. So the Spanish were like capturing and torturing Muslims and they were, and the Jewish into becoming Christians. So, you know, if you just so happen to escape, you GTFO'd, get the fuck out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so like all that, this is around the time that all the Muslims and most of the Jews, you know, that didn't want to convert, they got out and a lot of them fled to Northern Africa. Yeah. It's just right there. The Inquisition. What is that? The Inquisition. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a lot of singing in this This episode. one, there is going to be a lot. This is also the time when... Istanbul was Constantinople. Istanbul was Constantinople. I love that song. (laughs) So in case you haven't heard of when Istanbul was Constantinople, it was the Ottoman Empire seizing control of modern day Turkey and lots of northern Africa from the Byzantine Empire. Right. Um, This is the same empire that our girl Olga of Kiev was under. But this this wasn't like really in her reign. It's like the Roman Empire... For the 1400s, basically. Yeah, exactly. The Muslims are like fleeing Western Europe, 
while the Islamic Ottomans were fighting the remnants of like the old Roman Empire, we're just setting the scene that like in the Mediterranean, things are tense. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. And I mean, this is this is the time, like we were talking about, um, this is Elizabeth of York's time too. So you also yeah. have like the War of the Roses just wrapped. This is a really, you know, you, you completely forget about what's going on in you know, the Middle East, whenever there's so much shit going on in England. I mean, this is a really scary time in history. It was popping off <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Saida was born likely in 1485, but there's also accounts of her being born as late as 1495. And like many of our women, the birth of a girl wasn't really documented because <laughs> Beganix. Yeah, and it was like, why would we need to know when she was born? Why would we even need to know what decade she was yeah, born? Yeah, who cares? I, I mean, I tend to lean into her being, you know, older, so born in 1485. Uh, I feel like that fits a lot better with the timeline that yeah, we'll discuss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we, and since history is such a bag of dicks, we didn't even know her name at birth. <laughs> like Saida, yeah. Saida Alhur is like a title, not really a name. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. But some people think that her name was Aisha at birth, but we really just mm-hmm. don't fucking know. So it's kind of like Empress Wu. Yes. How her name changed throughout her life. But just for consistency's sake, and because this is what she's known as by most historians, we're going to just call her Saida. Uh, but she was born yeah. in Granada, um, which is why we used pomegranate in this recipe. Mm-hmm. So she was born in Granada to a really wealthy noble Andalusian family. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> Granada architecture. Like I looked it up. It's gorgeous. It's like this mixture between like medieval Europe and Middle Eastern style. Oh mm-hmm. my God. I want to go there so bad. I know. I do too. It just, it sounded like it was just gorgeous architecture. I'm sure it still is, but the way it was described back then just seemed like such a blended culture mm-hmm. until, un- until the Christians fucked it up. But anyway, <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Her dad was this guy named Muley Ali Abin Rashid. He's part of that uh, nobility there in Granada. He's basically like a lord. Yeah. Like in Western equivalent yeah and i read that he was actually a descendant of the prophet muhammad yeah he's kind of a you big, know no big deal no big deal he was descended from muhammad's grandson idris who found the first islamic dynasty in morocco which might be important later it is also that why our cocktail is the cocktail we have <laughs> Her mom, Zora Fernandez, was a Christian convert to Islam. I wish that we could have found more on her mother because I feel like you don't really hear about in this time period, people switching religions like that. Yeah, from like Christianity to Islam. Yeah, like maybe in a couple more decades or another century, you might hear somebody's going from Catholic to Lutheranism, but that's still... Christianity. Mm. You don't hear a lot of these people. So I wanted to know, like, what was the story there? Was she, you know, because Fernandez usually means like son of Ferdinand. So like, was, who was she related to? What? But I couldn't find, couldn't find anything, but it 
would have been cool to know. <laughs> right. So she likely lived in Granada up until she was six or seven. So that's when Ferdinand and Isabella decided to like get all murdery and tortury, you know, torturing lots of Muslims for Jesus. You know, like famous pacifist Jesus would have wanted. Right. (laughs) Her family was pushed out of Granada in 1492, and they were forced to flee. They fled to Northwest Africa like a shitload of other Muslims did, and landed in Chefchaouen. This is a city-state in modern-day Morocco. Told you, it would be important later in our Moroccan martini. (laughs) So I'm 100% sure that being forced out of her home made Saida like bitter AF towards all the Portuguese and Spanish. So this is why I lean into her being like born in 1485 because that makes her old enough to remember having to flee Granada. So it would be like this, she has that personal vendetta against them. I agree because for the rest of her life, she, like you said, she has a vendetta. And if she was only like three when this was happening she might not remember you know six and seven that's like your formative years and so she would have seen I'm sure her mother was emotional she saw like her home being turned upside down and I'm sure people said really nasty stuff about the Spaniards and you know that she could hear (laughs) so without a doubt she is raised with just this bitter taste in her mouth towards Ferdinand and Isabella. Can you can you honestly blame her? Mm-hmm. I, I would be too. If you forced me out of my hometown at a young age, I would, yeah. I would hate you. Like I I really hate the Christians. Right. So they flee to Morocco, and yeah, like you said, they end up in Chefchaouen, which wasn't a bougie place. Like it was not. It was a downgrade from the beautiful illustrious city of Granada. Mm-hmm. It had been like a military base previously. After the Castilians had, like, a few decades earlier, the Castilians had thrown a temper tantrum and destroyed the city. And so, like, it was it was kind of ruins. Like, it wasn't, they weren't moving into a nice place. Yeah. So, when they fled Spain, it was more or less the people of Morocco were like, well, I mean, it is kind of a shithole town and it's in ruins. So, no one else is using it. I guess you can have it. Yeah. You know, it's all, I mean, it's all that was available. So they took it. Yeah. They didn't have a whole lot of options. They weren't, they weren't like house hunting with a big budget. You know, (laughs) it was just sort of like, this is what you can have. Her mom and dad and like their contemporaries, like that generation, like completely rebuilt the city. They opened their gates to Muslims or Jewish people because, you know, they all had this common enemy. And so it kind of became like a city of refugees. Yeah. And whenever I was researching, they called it immigrants. And I was like, okay, I feel like immigrants, immigrants choose to go to another country. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) These people didn't have much of a choice. It was like either you're Muslim in another country or you're dead. You know, so it's like I completely agree that emig- that refugee is a much better term. And one thing that I really loved about this hometown of hers was that all of the houses were painted blue so much. So, and it's still like that. Yeah, and it's called the quote unquote blue pearl. I'm just imagining their HOA being a bitch. It's like, I oh, want to plant God. a new tree. And they're like, but is it blue? 
<laughs> is it blue? Is it going to have blue flowers? I know, but it, it looks gorgeous. I've wanted to go to Morocco for a while now. Me too. Ever since like season two of 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> Every year, life is measured in 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> <laughs> but I've wanted to go ever since, and I didn't even know about the Blue City. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to go so bad. It just looks beautiful. Oh, I know. Back to Saida, her education. She had a bomb-ass education, and not just for a girl at the time. Like, she, in general, like, she could speak all these languages and it was just really impressive. I don't know. I couldn't really find if that was the norm in Islamic cultures at the time mm-hmm. or if her parents were just progressive. I really couldn't find an answer to that. Me neither. But... I mean, I would imagine that they have to be somewhat progressive because, I mean, at this time, a woman's education wasn't really invested in but she's a royal basically you know yeah she's you know somebody of prominence so i'm sure it was a really great education she would have learned math theology architecture um she was appointed like a bunch of scholars to be her tutors mm-hmm. um one of which was the renowned moroccan scholar and architect abdallah Ag- Ghazwani. And um, I found this interesting. This is a really cool story. Al-Ghazwani's father met Saida and he laid his hand on her head and said, this girl will rise high in rank. And hell yeah. Right? And Al-Ghazwani was also considered one of the seven saints of Marrakesh and Sufism. So like he's a pretty well-known guy and his dad is telling you telling you know this little girl that she's gonna be somebody someday so we can safely assume that Saida likely you know leaned into Sufism in terms of her religion and really took a lot from this scholar I just love stories like that because it's just like I don't is it prophecy or did him just saying that give this little girl like a boost of confidence that then it's you know, I'm sure it didn't hurt her confidence hearing this great scholar say that she was, you know, going to be someone important one day. But I wonder if what I'm getting at is tell your children they can do great things. <laughs> and, if you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you yes. better wake up and pay attention. It's very, very. All right, Whoopi, very, bring it in, bring dead. it in, Whoopi. Reel it in. So, <laughs> so, so tell me more about Sufism. I found this really interesting. And this is, again, is a reason that I like to research, you know, women that didn't grow up in England, you know, yeah. or Spain, because I guess to read about other religions. And yeah. so Sufism is an individual inner practice of Islam. Islam is, believes that Jesus was a prophet and believes that what he says was the word of God, but they believe that there's an extra prophet that came later named Muhammad and he just added a bunch of extra shit to that religion. People who practice Sufism in particular are trying to perfect worship and prayers as these like sacred acts. They're really into like chants and music and they prayed with beads. So it's an evangel it's like an evangelical Catholic hybrid is what I'm kind of getting. Like it's it's kind of that. They are this form of mystical Islam where they're minimalist. So think a Buddhist monk on top of that. So you've got an evangelical Catholic Buddhist monk. (laughs) 
All That's right. Um, so her education would have been very practical and religious, which was not uncommon for a lot of our queens that we've you know covered. Because yeah. go figure, give a girl an education and she can go far. Oh, what a concept. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Just like most of our other queens, when you're a single young female, it's time to set you up with a bougie marriage arrangement. All single ladies, all the single ladies. All the single toddlers, all the single toddlers, all the single toddlers. Now, this is going to get kind of weird because historians don't really agree on who her first husband was or when. (laughs) Some say she was married in 1501 and some say it was 1510. So she could have been 16 or 26. (laughs) Big gap there. (laughs) Right. I tend to believe that she was married in 1501 when she was 16, but that's just like my gut. That's just what I think. So the dude that she married, Abu Hassan al-Mandari, he was the governor of Tetuan and 30 years older than her. Uh Some people are like, actually, she married al-Mandari's son. They can't agree on that. But I think she married the, I think she married the father. I think she she was 16 Married a guy in his 40s. Oh, see, I really want to think that maybe she was 26 because then that makes it less creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still 30 years older, but like, I feel like a 26-year-old dating a 56-year-old isn't as bad as a 16-year-old dating a 46-year-old. What? Yeah, but realistically. <laughs> uh, we've seen worse. <laughs> yeah. So we know right. she had at least one brother because at the same time, Saida was being married off. We know her brother is sent to go to work for the Sultan. Um, this dude was named Ahmed Al-Wahasi. So <laughs> maybe that name will Maybe be- he'll be important yeah, later. Maybe. Either way, it okay. shows that this family is making sure that they're getting those connections, putting, you know, that those high friends in high places, not low friends in low places, um, no. making sure that all of the family is connected. <clears throat> so this marriage, was it a love match? Probably not. Yeah. We don't really know how they felt about each other because there's not like anything documented, but it, I just from like the context clues that we're about to talk about, I definitely think it was a relationship built on respect. Yes. It wasn't a bit, we've seen women with much worse situations than what we're about to describe. Mm-hmm, for sure. <clears throat> he treated her as a co-regent mm-hmm. and um, like in all, everything he did, she was equal to him. I mean, he may have been a lot older than her, but he didn't treat her like a child. He didn't treat her like inferior because she was a woman. And, you know, if she had, if he had to like go off and, you know, business or whatever, do governor shit in another town, (laughs) he'd left her in charge, like never with a second thought. So the people of Tetuan grew to respect her the same way as well. Yeah. And what I found really interesting is that even Saida's family really valued and trusted her opinion on all sorts of ranges of issues, government, rebuilding, all of those things, which is super I awesome. I love it. I know. It's like, finally, someone that has like some female empowerment in their family. Awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. My my guess is, yeah, they probably loved each other. It may have not been like a romantic love. It may have been more like 
you know, like I said, like relationship of respect, maybe like a teacher pupil kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I don't think they had any children. If they did, it's not, it's not documented. I know we know he had children from a previous relationship. Yes, but we know there's nothing about her ever having children. And it's like, ah, she probably did. It's probably just a girl. <laughs> or, you know, maybe their their relationship maybe just wasn't sexual. Maybe he'd already had had his kids and was like, Well, I don't yeah. I don't need more kids. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? But as the governor's wife, she's super active in with her husband in rebuilding Tetuan, which was this former military fortress that was run down. I mean, it was just like the city that she grew up in. It was, yeah, it was like a sister city. Yeah, they both were old military. Yeah. Tetuan is a port city located about 40 miles north of her African hometown. So yeah, like you said, sister city. Um, Their first order of business was to build the wall around the city to protect <laughs> themselves from those pesky Spaniards and Portuguese. I mean, they had, they, they, yes. They had a reason. <laughs> they were run out of their hometown by the Spaniards and the Portuguese. They're trying to, yes. now they, they keep chasing them and they're like, get the fuck out. We ran away from you for a reason. <laughs> this is one situation where I'm like, okay, the wall makes sense. Yeah, right. Agreed. <laughs> so they then fill the city with, you know, homes, agriculture to rebuild a thriving society. The slogan, make Tetuan great again, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, her husband dies in either 1515 or 1519. Saida just kind of like, looks around and she's like instead of us like having to switch regimes what if i just kind of take over what he was doing and everyone just kind of went i love it but like everyone's like oh (laughs) go ahead like that's so that speaks to her like everybody in her own they're like yeah she's been doing a great job so far i don't know it was like almost just viewed as like it makes the most sense nothing will change for us on our day-to-day because it's like the same regime just switching from the husband to the wife and she's Mm -hmm. been so active for so long anyway they're just they know her they know what she they know what to expect they trust her i wonder if because all these people are refugees from spain where it's not an issue for women to inherit like it is like in france and england and stuff I wonder if that also has to do with it, just like a cultural thing. Yeah, I'm sure it does because that, I mean, Isabella was like, hey, I'm a queen, bitch. Yeah, and everyone <laughs> was just like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. This is when she actually earns the title Alhura, which means queen, basically. So her full title would have been Saida Alhura, more or less translating into royal lady who is free and independent. Yes, I-N-D-E-N-D-E-N-T. Do you know what that means, man? I love it. (laughs) L-O-V. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Wheel of urine! Cat 
and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Hello, everyone. Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. E. And so she looks around and she's like, I want to rock this new role. I, I need to get some money for this town. There is money out there and we need it in here. <laughs> so she really wants to make Tetuan stand out and become like this just powerful force to be fucking reckoned with. And also she would like outsiders to fear her. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, that makes I sense. Mean, she doesn't want them invading her fucking city. So she doesn't want people just assuming that she's this woman that's going to just take shit from people. Cause she's not, if they thought that they don't know her. <laughs> and so she was like, all right, so I need money and I need some powerful friends and I need to be scary. So obviously she turns to piracy. <laughs> I love it. Like, it's like, what do I do? Become a pirate. That's what. <laughs> pirate, yeah. So she's known as being a pirate queen, though I don't think, I do want to like say that I don't think she ever actually like stepped foot on a pirate ship. Yeah. But she was like, she was like the manager. She was like the general manager. Uh, mm-hmm. She was the GM for the pirates. And she, this is also a way for her to get back at Ferdinand and Isabella. Because that's who she's going after. She's she's telling other pirates to go invade their ships, take them hostage, take their <laughs> booty. And it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a lot of booty chips in this. Booty, 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 booty. <laughs> so she wants a piece of that money. And honestly, she really wants to stick it to him. I mean, right. you can get rich and spit in your enemy's eyes. Win-win. Yeah. And now people are going to fear you and not fuck with you. Win-win-win. Right? And I mean, the city of Tetuan actually had a rich history of piracy even before the Reconquista and before she'd ever gotten there. So it had been a huge pub, hub of uh, for piracy, but the Castilians, aka Queen Isabella's relatives, had to come in and destroy the town and kill all the pirates. Um, right. Murdery and genocide There you go. So our girl Saida was like, okay, We've got this wall around the town now. I think we can try our hand at this again. Over the next quarter century, Tetuan, quote unquote, reached an unheard of level of prosperity. Thanks to all that golden booty. (laughs) Golden booty. Golden booty sounds like the name of like a gay porn movie. (laughs) I'm not mad at that. Golden booty. Let me raid your booty. Ooh. Oh. So... She is rich, bitch. Yes. From her work with the pirates, which we'll dive into in a little bit, like she brought 
so much wealth to Tetuan mm. and herself. They just kind of be like this force to not be fucked with and just throwing middle fingers up at the Europeans at the same time. Like Tetuan, seriously, rags to riches story. Oh, 100%. Um, 100%. Can I, sing, can I sing my song? Yes. Can I sing my song yes. I've been singing all week? <laughs> yes. We built this city. Boom. Boom. We built this city with Spanish gold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I've actually had that song stuck in my head too. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so, y'all, I've been annoying Nathan singing that song for like the last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up in the morning singing that. With speckled. Anyway. <laughs> so let's let's briefly touch on pirating in, in this time because as us Americans should know, there were tons of Spanish ships that had been sailing back and forth to the Americas at this point. So this would have been during the times when the Spanish conquered those great Indian tribes, you know, in Mexico and South America. You know, Cortez just slaughtering all those Mayans and Pizarro mm. just killing all those Incans, Inca Indians. Not and, cash money. You no, know, and you know, when they slaughtered them, they would rape and pillage their towns. And as a result, had all of this gold and expensive jewels and all this shit. So when the Spanish ships were making their way back, Saida's dudes are like laying low. So Saida and her band of bitches would turn around and snatch those ships coming back to Spain and take all their gold they stole from the Native Americans and then take the noble Spaniards that were on board hostage and then hold Mm -hmm. them hostage for large sums of money. Because karma is a bitch, Spain (laughs) and Portugal. If you steal shit and you get shit stolen from you. Yeah. And, you know, this just kind of puts pirating into perspective. Queen Elizabeth I is said to have funded a major part of her rule through piracy. So, in my opinion, being a quote-unquote pirate just depends on what side of the battle you're on like because i feel like saida's saida's doing this because she's really trying to stick it to him and be like you forced me out of my country so i'm gonna steal all of your and money. For money yeah uh, that's what she, she's gonna i'm gonna make you yeah. broke bitch <laughs> and i mean if you look at where morocco is it is it's just so perfectly placed for fucking with the portuguese and spanish because like for them to not go anywhere near Morocco, they would basically have to like add like weeks to their journey. Um, so it's just like perfectly placed for them to be like, and I will take this please and thank you. <laughs> I'm sure they said it exactly. They were very polite. They were like, um, excuse me. <laughs> excuse, excuse me. I need to. Excuse uh, me, Spain. I, I, um, I need to raid your booty. <laughs> yeah, ooh. I can't. I can't stop. Um, so, <laughs> so it also seems that maybe Saida is kind of holding out on the hope that if she screws over the Spanish enough that she can move back home to Granada. So uh-huh. like hoping that she'll get rich enough and powerful enough that she can like buy the land back, which is actually really sad because spoiler alert, not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Not going to happen. Um so Saida is digging this piracy gig. She has found her calling. Um, she's like updating her LinkedIn, you know, proficiency in uh, pirate shit and uh, pirate management. I guess I should say proficiency in pirate management. She photoshops her. She photoshops her headshot to have a, an eye yeah, patch on it. Yeah. <laughs> She's asking everybody for like, you know, letters of recommendation. Absolutely. (laughs) 
but she needs an ally. Mm-hmm. She's she's like, I need to make some friends with some other pirates so that we can like, I can branch out basically. Get more booty. Yep. She wants to get more booty. So <laughs> she needs some friends. She needs some booty friends. So she meets this guy named Oris Reyes, who is super, he's, he's very well known in the pirate community of this time. <laughs> he, he's an interesting figure. Uh, yeah, he was hired by the Ottoman Empire to loot the Spanish ships and get that money, honey. Um, he mm-hmm. was also a nicer guy because he ended up smuggling yeah. a, a lot of Muslim refugees from Spain to the Ottoman Empire. I mean, he is this scary, brutal pirate, but he has a soft spot for the underdog, which really makes him this dynamic and interesting figure. It is really interesting, yeah, because everybody feared him, but he was also helping refugees. So, so cool. it's just a really dynamic character. I would like to one day like learn more about him. His nickname was Baba Orus, which means Father Orus. But in Italian, Baba Barbarossa, so maybe Italian or Spanish, in some European language, Barbarossa means red beard. So let's talk a little bit briefly about Barbarossa because this is such a fun rabbit hole for me. It really um, is. He and his brother were a famous pair of pirates born in Lesbos. So they are <laughs> 100% lesbian. <sighs> Um, yeah they are <laughs> he grew up pirating and got paid to fight back against the night hospitalia who were <laughs> some of the guys who like fucked up the muslims in the crusades you know that whole shit you got real gay and fancy with that <laughs> one so he would capture ships hold people ransom steal their booties and he was so good at it that he gets a deal with Suleiman the Magnificent of the Ottoman Empire. Roxelena's man. Oh my gosh, there's so much overlap in this episode. <laughs> there's so much crossover. I love it. So, oh, also something really cool. He had a prosthetic arm made of fucking silver. Because obviously, if you're a pirate, you have to lose one of your, your arms. You have to. Right. That just blew my mind that like he lost an arm in pirating and i feel like i would have been like well i'm done being a pirate i'm gonna go find a desk job um, (laughs) one arm but he was just like fuck it give me something real metal looking give me something real badass and i'm gonna just keep pirating with one arm and And he was still like apparently he was still a kick-ass swordsman even with his like metal arm he's he's very metal (laughs) i feel like silver would be that'd be so heavy that yeah, sounds like maybe, a horrible thing to use to make a prosthetic arm. Because there's like a photo of it online and like you can kind of see his left arm is metal. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering maybe if it had like a hollow center or something like that, because you're yeah. right, that would be super duper heavy. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> so Saida Sa- strikes an alliance with this guy because he's a boss ass pirate and these bitches yes rule the Mediterranean. So she rules the Western Mediterranean and he's, you know, they strike that deal. She gets the Western Mediterranean, he gets the East. So at this point, the city of Tetechuan is thriving. They're stealing they treasures. So well. Yeah, harboring refugees to build this city on Spanish gold. Um, yes! <laughs> and again, I really... 
they call her a pirate because you know she's getting people to fucking steal their shit but in my opinion like she the muslims are being tortured and killed and driven out of granada and so she's getting revenge if anything a queen's gotta do what a queen's gotta do yeah and one of the major successes of saida and barbarossa was the raid on gibraltar in or around 1540 so the rock of gibraltar is like this islamic relic and this peninsula was like a huge military advantage because it's the port city that's like next to that little piece of, of water between Africa and Spain. It's super important. Mm-hmm. And it's appropriately named the Strait of Gibraltar. Um, so Very creative. It was under the control of the Holy Roman Emperor of Charles V. So he was in his own state of mind. But <laughs> for real, he's like the son of Juan of Castile. So more crossover. More crossover. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charles got his degree in Shady Lady University. And obviously he offered to make Barbarossa the Lord of Gibraltar in return for Barbarossa to rebel against the Ottoman. Charles V, he like makes this proposal through a messenger and he tells the messenger, like, if he doesn't take my deal, you need to like go ahead and assassinate him on the spot, which is a little extreme. And I'm not quite sure if he didn't know like who he was dealing with. (laughs) (laughs) Barbarossa got wind of this maybe Charles like tweeted it or something and thought his account was (laughs) private it was not and so Barbarossa whenever the messenger is like hey we want you to do this Barbarossa killed the messenger (laughs) and I mean like unbeknownst to him that actually saved his own life (laughs) right fucking savage Uh, love it in 1540 there was this mass breakout of prisoners so let's just say gibraltar was a crumbling fortress so it's pretty easy to escape um well saida and barbarossa rescue these prisoners and start to gather knowledge from them of the fortress so they use this information to give them the upper hand for a raid and I just think it's really cool that they were like, yeah, the guards never look at this one place or, you know, there's, um, I don't know, like the lock is broken on whatever. So they were able to get inside intel. And of course the prisoners are going to give it to them because they've got a common enemy. Yeah. And they end up disguising themselves as Spaniards and then they land in Gibraltar to like scout the city, which is pretty sneaky, sis. (laughs) Uh, Long story short, Barbarossa assists Saida in the biggest raid of her life, and they capture a fuck ton of prisoners that they ransom off for super high prices. And this goes without mentioning that fuckload of golden relics and drumroll, please. Booty! Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. West- so she grabs all the booty. Yeah, she grabs all the booty. Um, and <laughs> Western European historians really had some fragile dick energy at this point and basically Mm -hmm. rewrote everything about this and was like gibraltar was successfully saved from the ottomans and it's like bitch they weren't even trying to they weren't even trying to take it over (laughs) (laughs) they were just trying to get money (laughs) like (laughs) so needless to say this gets her quite the reputation in europe yeah it's like if people didn't know who she was before this they know now yeah especially those men in power 
because uh, right. they likely hated her because of their fragile dick energy. <laughs> what? European men don't like powerful, headstrong women? Qu'est-ce que c'est? What brand new information this is. <laughs> One Portuguese diplomat wrote that he prayed to God to allow them to see her hanging from a ship's mast. That's that's severe. That That's very aggressive. <laughs> wrote that she was a bad-tempered woman and like just kind of had a nasty attitude about everything Uh which i just i mean yeah she's a ruthless woman who's out for blood because y'all stole her homeland what what were they like i wish she would smile more Uh (laughs) seriously if she had been a man they wouldn't have mentioned her her temperament yeah she would have been the badass that barbarossa was you know they would have treated her like that but uh, what was she supposed to do? Be like, gee, guys, a oh, little old me? Oh, <laughs> this booty? Oh, no. Like, it just, it pissed me off so bad. <laughs> okay, but not every man was intimidated by her. Mm-mm. One ruler fell in love with that reputation. And, uh, you know, the sultan. <laughs> the sultan of the whole damn country? Yeah, and his name was Ahmad Awatsi, which was the one that we mentioned earlier. Um, he mm-hmm. was the sultan of Watsid, uh, and he ended up proposing to her. We really yeah. don't know how old he was, but this is... 1541 so she's late 40s mid 50s i'm really mm-hmm. hoping that she was like a cougar like uh, yeah. <laughs> just getting that young man meat honey i uh. i couldn't really find anything but since we know that her brother has been working for him for like because her brother is like one of his top advisors yeah. remember when she married her first husband her he brother went, went off. off yeah so he's probably at least her age but a sultan, honey. Yeah, even Philip II was nervous about this union, and he said it was giving him a Muslim Isabella and Ferdinand moment. I mean, yeah. And so I just love that the sultan's just like, no fragile dick energy here. Powerful woman gonna make the Spaniards shake in their boots. Yeah, because she's basically uniting, this marriage is uniting Morocco. And so it's very much that Isabella and Ferdinand uniting Spain. So the Europeans are like, holy shit. This is like, this is the power couple. We got to watch out for these bitches. And one of them's a pirate. (laughs) Watch the fuck out. My favorite thing Uh is that- I love this story. The capital was this place called Fez. Every royal wedding, that's where the king lived. So the royal wedding always took place in Fez. And so he was like, do you want to marry me? And she was like, yeah. And he was like, cool, come to Fez. And she was like, "Mm, about that, we're going to have our wedding in Tetuan, (laughs) which had never happened before. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of precedence. And she's like, no, I need you to come to me. And he was just like, Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm living for this audacity. Like, I love she it. knew she was a badass. I mean, could you imagine if, like, Anne of Cleves would have been like, nah, Henry VIII, you, you gotta come to Cleves. You come here. I mean, that would have changed everything. <laughs> right? And this is legit, um, like, a year after Anne of Cleves. So I'm sure Saida was like, mm, I read this in ye old TMZ. I think you should come here. I don't want to get fucked over. <laughs> <laughs> right so i just love that he was just like okay yeah be there in a couple weeks 
And he traveled over 150 miles. And this is like mountain desert terrain. So this is not like, oh, I'm just going to walk downhill for 150 miles. No. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't an easy trip and it wasn't a short trip. No. The marriage wasn't a love match. I don't think they ever lived together. Like they had their wedding and then he went back to Fez and she stayed in Tetuan. So I don't. It was a a diplomatic wedding. Like it was just diplomacy. Yeah, so maybe they consummated it on their wedding night. We have no idea. Maybe it was just for a consolation, like um, combining powers. Yeah, so we can safely assume that people took her seriously. She has this like infamous (laughs) reputation and she's seriously channeling like inner Joan Jett to me because she don't give a damn about a bad reputation. This is like the musical version of Queens this episode. Oh my God. (laughs) We really need to write (laughs) Saida Alhura, the musical. Uh, Right? So they instructed the Sultan to come to her and she was like, okay, so we're talking some big clit energy, like probably the biggest clit energy that we've ever talked about. (laughs) <laughs> love it i am here for the bce and she fucking hated the portuguese like after all it was them and those fucking pesky spaniards that forced her out and so at this point in history portugal and spain are just so intertwined they're basically the right. same <laughs> and so the nearby city Ceuta, had a really large portuguese population and that was also a city they did a lot of trade with yeah i looked it up and even today they are still considered an autonomous spanish city like bitch this ain't your continent this is not your continent get off my continent (laughs) and since saida's got such bad blood she refuses to do business with like this big booming city in her own continent and that was really like that was a bit shooting herself in the foot there. Yeah, because it's you're cutting off a huge source of income by being like, oh, I'm not going to do business with New York City. You know, like it's like, but there's so much right. money that you could make off of that. Um, right. They say that it was her bad mood swings that led the Portuguese not to do business with her, which uh, I think is misogyny. misogyny. <laughs> Jinx. Either way, that was a huge trading partner Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of merchants that lived in Tetuan that were like wait I'm I'm happy to have my queen be the pirate but I just want to do trade with the rich people at the city a couple of blocks over like it it did it it didn't it didn't make sense financially to any of the people in her town and so after, you know, 30 something years, they kind of started to grumble about like, does, is she really fit? You know what I mean? Yeah. And this really starts to have her empire start to fall apart. It starts to unravel at this point because bitches are getting restless. And uh, by restless, I mean that they're like trying to start a rebellion. Um, her, yeah. her fucking son-in-law. Ugh. Okay. So son-in-law, everything that I read said like her son-in-law came in and is the one that overthrew her. She, as who, this must be a son-in-law of one of her stepchildren from her family. That's what I was assuming. Either that or she had like a girl that nobody ever documented, but I really think it was like a son-in-law from the Sultan's previous marriage. You're right. Yeah. I feel like if she had had children herself, she wouldn't have let them be non-documented just because they were girls. 
because of how she was raised, you know? Yeah. And I mean, this is, we, we talked about this also in our Roxelina episode. So the Sultan would have a bunch of sons and these sons would be constantly trying to one up each other and kill the other one to try to become mm-hmm. the next ruler. So basically her dickhead son-in-law is doing exactly this. And so he aligns himself with this rival noble family and then he builds up this small army and they end up traveling to Tetuan and capture Saida and they forced her to abdicate the throne. And they had the support of the people because they were like, I- I need to feed my fucking family. And some of that has to, like, I can't, like, I need to be able to trade with this city. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to trade with these people. So, like, I can't really hate on a lot of the people either. Yeah, because their economy had declined so bad. So when they came to take her, she didn't really have any support. And so they just, they just went in and swept her out. And, you know, regardless of being the queen for 30 fucking years, Saida channeled her inner Dorothy, clicked her heel three times and repeated, there's no place like Chef Shuen. There's no place like Chef Shuen. There's no place like Chef Shuen. And she was just magically transported there. Okay, but. I love that for her. (laughs) I hope it was kind of like, you know, like with Empress Wu, when they came in, they were like, we're overthrowing you. And she was just sort of like, good, I'm tired. (laughs) I hope it was. I think that's a direct quote. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it was peaceful like that. And she didn't go into her retirement as um, salty. Yeah, she's in her late 50s. You know, she's ready to post up and retire. She is still queen. Mm -hmm. She is still married to the Sultan. Yeah. And she lived like the next 20 years of her life, just chilling in Morocco um, until her death on July 14th of 1961. So 1961? July 14th, 1461. (laughs) (laughs) She lived a really long time, guys. She's a Highlander. 550 Um, years old. (laughs) She's a Highlander. Oh my god. Let's chat about her legacy. Because even though the details of her personal life are a little murky, we know that she was a strong-willed woman who took no shit. Mm -hmm. She ruled as the leader of a thriving community for 30 fucking years. I know she got overthrown in the end, but that's that's unfucking heard of. Like, yeah, for like... this woman to rule like this up and coming place like that, you know? Yeah. And she even made the Europeans scared, which after what they did to her people, they fucking deserved it. And there just aren't a whole lot of other women from this time, especially the Islam Islamic women that can say that they rose to power like this. So, I mean, what else can we do? But cheers to this spiteful pirate badass bitch. (laughs) <laughs> Raise a glass. Cheers to Saida. Cheers, bitches. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch y'all next time. Nathan, I love you. Love you. So thanks for listening. If there's something you want to hear, just like hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at queens underscore podcast. We're on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And follow us on iTunes at Queen's Podcast, all one word. All smushed up.